All right, welcome back to my podcast, Stephen Sully Study. Um, here at Woodbury House, got a, another great guest in front of me. Um, everybody knows that I love uh, sports, specifically boxing, and I love business. I feel like boxers and business people share the same mindset. Um, it's all about self-belief, hard work, dedicating yourself to, to, your, to your craft, and um, never giving up. I think the next man in front of me is the epitome of, of that for not only stories inside the ring, but also outside the ring. Now, I pr- pr- pronounced your name a few times, CJ, and I'm going to try and do it here. Kivan Ajarko. Kivan Ajarko. Right, I'm going to just keep it a CJ, though. Yeah, that's right. So, 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 so I asked you earlier, I said, why why CJ? Because that's not your that's not your initials. Yeah, no, uh, one of, like I said, one of my friends... Um, he thought that I looked like CJ out of Grand Theft Auto. Okay. And uh, he's, at, the, at that time, it was like, we need to give Keevan a, a nickname because his name's too hard to spell, too hard to say. Um, yeah, and then CJ's just stuck ever since. So everyone knows me as CJ now. All right, fair enough. So um, we were just saying off air, um, I was looking, you know, your profile up and stuff, you know, looking at your books and record, et cetera, which you're going to get onto. Uh, but you're you were born and raised for a short amount of time, seven years in, in Croydon. So um, that's you know when you speak and obviously you know you're residing in uh, Belfast, obviously over here in in your in your boxing gym with the iBox team. Um, Croydon, tell me about that a bit about that. Yeah, um, kind of my, my mom's from Belfast, my dad's from Ghana, um, and somehow they ended up meeting in, in London, Croydon. So. Um, was born here, lived here until I was seven, and then I just kind of got to a stage where my mum wanted to move back to Belfast, and we relocated over there, and I've, I've lived there ever since. Um, I still have family. My dad still lives here. Um, he still lives in, in London, and I've still got family in court and stuff like that. So when I do come back to train in Bromley, it's good to be able to go back and, and see some of my family. Yeah, what's it like in uh, Belfast? Because I've been to my... my Granddad was from County Mayo, okay. so I'm partly Irish yeah. myself, um, but I've only ever taken a trip to Dublin and County Mayo just the once. Okay. I've never, been to, never been to Belfast, so I'd like to go over there at one step. What was it, was it, was it like? Yeah, Belfast, it's, it's a small, small city. Um, it's nothing like London. Uh, the people are really friendly and it's, like I said, it's quiet, you know, I and mean, it's, it's real laid back compared to London. I feel like in London, everyone's rushing to get somewhere and stuff like that and it's very busy so that's not belfast um it's very quiet and, and laid back like i said and i don't know for me it's i, I just love it just because people are just so much more chill back home mm. i had um mick condon on my podcast before um great guy great fight i got really unlucky with the last fight he had and uh, it's great to see him back in the gym now i believe he's going to become a world champion in the future because of his mindset and it, it seems to be that a lot of irish fighters especially from belfast they've got this heart and this determination why do you think that is i don't know just the fighting irish I've, um it's just something in us that we, we were brought up fighting um like i mean i was a mixture as kid that, that moved to the heart of west belfast and in them time i think it was 2005 2006 there was no mixed mixed race families there and um and like with Eng- we had English accents, obviously, so it was a bit different. But just from moving there, just knowing the people, and it's always been like a, a fighting city. It's always like even whenever like the, when you play Gaelic or hurling, our sports, they're just they're so competitive and want to win, and it's just have that fighting spirit. And I just think there's just something in us that are different than than everyone else, and I think that's just the fighting Irish that that comes out of us. And it's obviously Belfast and, and Northern Ireland have a, a history of 
fighting through the troubles and, and whatnot. And I think it's just come down through generations and we've got that installed in us. Yeah, well, I remember asking the same sort of question to Mick and he said to me, it's a little bit like small man syndrome, he said. This was his, his version of it. He said, because of that, we want to make ourselves powerful and dominant and i've got to say you know with the, with the fighters and a lot of athletes but specifically fighters you know if you ever get in a ring with with an irish fella you're you're, you're in from one, one hell of a ride because there's no sort of off button they just keep on coming forward and it's a little bit like the mexican style i would say they're very very tough people um and i think there's um there's quite a family culture over there as well yeah definitely and i think like if you come from belfast or, or ireland there's just you, we hold a lot of pride in, in where we come from and and we kind of everyone that's I feel like everyone that's a fighter we, we we love to represent our country everyone loves representing our country but we love to represent our country we're a small small country and we kind of every time we fight we want to put our, ourselves on the map and um, like, like Mike says we have that that small man syndrome and just that kind of tough man and always want to prove ourselves so you know if you're getting in the ring with an Irish man it's always it's always going to be a tough night's work <laughs> So um, you were telling me uh, that before you was a boxer fighter, you was actually a plumber. So talk, talk to me about just before then, uh, then because you know you was at school. Was you always going to become an athlete? I mean, sl- clearly not, because you went down the plumbing aspect. But was was sports and fighting in the in the background somewhere? Yeah, listen, I've been fighting since I was seven years old. Been boxing since I was seven. Um, and I was a good good amateur for Ireland and the world and Europeans. And boxing was always my number one priority. I always wanted to be a boxer. And I think I was around about when I was 14, I realised that I'm, I'm actually decent at this and, and I can make a career out of it. So I always said to myself, if I give it everything um, and it doesn't work out, then so be it. At least I know I've, I've tried my hardest. And everyone used to say to me, you need a plan B, you need a plan B. And I just thought to myself, why when I why not just focus everything on plan A and and... If it goes tits up, then you can go and focus on plan B. And um, my, my big brother kind of advised me, he was like, listen, come work for me, get an apprenticeship and and uh, and be a plumber as well as, as boxing. And yeah. so I did that. I, I kind of went to college and, and started becoming a plumber as well as boxing. And it was just kind of too hard for me to juggle both at the same time because boxing's a full-time sport. I mean, it's a full-time job. And I was on the, the national team, so I had to train down in Dublin, um, Tuesday to Friday so it was kind of hard to go to college and, and do plumbing and make money and stuff so kind of it was either one or the other and obviously I was gonna always give up um give up plumbing but yeah I've always been like an athlete I, I love playing football and, and Gaelic and hurling when I was a, a kid and I was always in the sports and stuff like that um but once I got to about 17 18 I knew that I kind of had to give everything to boxing if I, if I really want a career out of it yeah how long was you doing the, the plumbing for um, I'd say I've done it on and off three, four years. Um, I was kind of in and out of it, but it wasn't a, a long period of time. Yeah. I, um, I, as I mentioned to you as well, I was a plumber for like three years, nearly four years, and um, I resented it. And the thing that I always say about it is it was it was a good moment in, in, my, in my life. Not because I enjoyed it, because I resented it so much, I knew I didn't want to do it anymore. And it gave me the encouragement to go off and do something else. And I think sometimes when you do something that you really don't like and you, you're kind of sick of, it forces you to find a new chapter in life. And it's a bit like what you said, like it kind of probably secured your mindset thinking that I want to become a fighter. I want to become a pro athlete rather than giving it 80% and 20% to something else. Let's just give it 100%. And I think 
that's the only way you're going to become a success in life by giving it 100 100%. yeah definitely i agree and i feel like for me it was like what's the point of doing something that i don't love i'm, I'm just wasting my time do you know what i mean i'm giving um I, I wanted to be a fighter i wanted to be a boxer and i was doing something else that was kind of not distracting me but i could have been training a bit harder or i could have been training while in and doing plumbing and it was for me, it was like I was doing something I didn't love and I do now I do something that I love and it was kind of get it gave me that kind of motivation to make a decision, right? It's either go and work a normal job or or, or to be a plumber, um, or give it all up and, and just focus on boxing and I and I did that thankfully. I think that's the best choice I've ever made. Definitely. So look, you're 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 twenty five years of age. I I'm gonna read you out a quote here, yeah. I don't know if you said this word for word, but this is in the Daily Mail. I want to become Ireland's first black boxing world champion. Why is that important to you? I've got chills there. Um, it's just, like I say, when you come from Ireland, you have so much pride and I know that I can create history. To be a, an Irish world champion would be unbelievable. I go down with the greats, you know what I mean? You've got Steve Collins, Carl Frampton, Katie Taylor and, and people like that, Bernard Dunn and stuff. And it'd be amazing to be on that list of fighters that have become a world champion. But I understand that I can, I can make some history and become Ireland's first black um, ever world champion. And um, that kind of gives me the motivation every day to get up, do the early runs, do the early sessions, train as hard as I possibly can. And um, like I said, I just hold so much pride in, in coming from Ireland. And I always get people saying, but you're not, you're from, you're from London, you're from Croydon. And listen, I have no choice where I was born. It's not that I dislike being f f like born in court or anything like that I'm just an, I feel like I'm an Irish man that's where I've spent most of my life and um, well you certainly sound like one yeah, exactly. I, remember, I, I, remember, I remember when I first heard you speak on TV after one of your fights and it was when I just was getting to know your profile and I was like Am I hearing this to the I didn't expect to hear an Irish accent coming out of your mouth and it's, it's maybe bit narrow-minded of me and stereotypical but I thought no no I thought you were going to be like a South yeah. London accent I was like <laughs> what where's this coming from yeah no listen obviously I had a South London accent when I when I very first moved to to Belfast um for a short period of time and then obviously just the accent grew on me but yeah like I said just I want to be Aaron's first black world champion and I feel like I will be and um I've, I've definitely got the right team and the right mindset to, to achieve that goal do you know when you go back to Ireland, just on that note of your accent, do they can they can they pick up that you've got a bit of London, South London in you? Yeah, do you know it's always one of them ones as well because whenever I'm in camp for a long period of time, some of my camps are three, four, five months long, and that South London accent kind of comes back um, when I'm around my family and friends um, over here. That I kind of bring that South London accent back, and then when I go back to Belfast, my friends and family back home are looking at me, being like. You're not from you're not from London. Why are you putting on an accent? It's just like I'm not putting it on. It just comes back naturally. Do you know what I mean? But um, yeah, I'd say whenever I go back, it's like they're looking at me, being like, "That's not the way you talk." <laughs> yeah, because my, uh, my 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 in-laws, my wife's mum and dad, they moved down to De Devon about ten years ago, just to kind of have an easier way of life. A bit like what you were saying about Belfast. It's very chilled there. You know, not not everyone's under a lot of pressure. It's kind of happy-go-lucky place, and it's a nice environment. He, the father, Mel, he's not actually from South London per se. He's just on the on the fringe of it. But when he goes into the pub, they always call him the co Cockney. He's actually far, <laughs> far from a Cockney, but yeah. because they're used to that Devon accent yeah. and he's got a slight South London twang in him, they call him the Cockney, which I think is hilarious. Yeah, no, that's the same with me. Like I go back and 
back to Belfast after being here for a long period of time. My, my friends and family are just looking at me and they're, they're all slagging me, saying I'm, I'm putting it on. I'm like, it's not. It's just it's naturally comes back. It's nothing I can do about it. But um, do you know, it's not a bad thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so 25 years of age, 11 wins, obviously zero losses, zero draws, seven KOs. Um, being a, a fan of boxing and someone who's been following your journey, I can see, you know, you've got, you've got an immense amount of power. Um, very, 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 I don't want to use the word talented because that would sound disrespectful because you've worked really hard in the gym, but you've got this this style which is going to be very, very hard to beat. But with all that in mind, that was nearly not your life because in 2017, I'm reading a quote here again from Daily Mail, uh, you nearly died in a brutal knife attack uh, in Belfast, 2017. So if you don't mind me asking a bit more about that, I mean, is it as simple as just a knife tack or was there something premeditated behind it? Yeah, no, it was just, it was as simple as a knife tack. I had, a, I had come back from a, a multi-nation tournament in Paris. I was still amateur at this time. And um, I was out with my ex-girlfriend and uh, we were kind of not celebrating because I wasn't drinking, but it was meant to be like just a, a chill night out, um, let the hair down a bit and, and have a good time with friends. And then I was meant to fight a week after against America and uh, ended up leaving the club early and um, went around the McDonald's to get some food, which I probably shouldn't have been having. Um, and yeah, it was just, it wasn't premeditated or anything like that. It was just, it just happened. I think someone had threw a McDonald's cup and it unfortunately hit me and, and went over my ex-girlfriend and obviously me being a, a boxer fan, I want to know who's done this, do you know what I mean? So... I've I've stepped out, asked them like there was loads of people in town, so I've just shouted who who threw that. Nobody said anything. Um, I've someone that I, that I recognised. I was like, who do you know who threw that? He was like, yeah, them is over there. And I've looked over and there's like twenty, thirty of them. I was like, right, okay, this is this is gonna be fun. So I've obviously I've walked over and be like, what are you playing at? They said it wasn't them and gone into a bit of an, an argument. Um, they're like, why? What are you gonna do about it? And I was like, I'll smash you about this place and. Um, like, no, no, you won't. I was like, they were like, go. So I went to take my watch and my jack off. I've looked. I was only with my ex-missus a week that day. And I looked to the to left me and she was taking her watch and jack off. So I was like, fuck, all right, I, can't, I can't put her through that. And so I was like, usually, do you know what, usually idiots. And I've walked away. Um, I walked away and obviously they've just kind of walked towards me. And it's just started a big, a big fight. Um, I can't remember getting stabbed or anything. I just, from that moment, where the fight started i remember getting hit with a bottle and i've never been dropped in my life in the street or in, in a in a ring tattooed um and i just remember hitting the floor and smashing my head off the ground i just felt like i was rocked like i've been punched very hard and uh i remember just thinking to myself if i stay down here i'm gonna get my head kicked in so i got up and just instantly chased him uh and then uh, the only thing i can really remember after that is i'm on top of one of them punching him and my ex has pulled me off but like right that's enough and then she's noticed that I've been stabbed. Um, and yeah, then obviously just the cops have came and uh, I didn't I didn't think it was, because she didn't tell me I'd been stabbed. She'd, she'd just been like, your face is in a bad way. And obviously being a boxer, I thought, right, if I've ever got a, a swollen eye, a bruise or a small cut somewhere, do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm fine, I feel fine. Um, I'm like, I'm all right. And I, like he, they've run, run off because obviously I've been attacked. So I'm like, right, okay, I'm not leaving that, that at that. Um, it's 30 on the one person. Um, and then I've tried to run off and chase them. And then the cops have just grabbed me. And obviously they've told me that my face is in a bad way. Me being me, I've been like, I'll go home and put a plaster on it. The cops have been like, uh, you're going to need more than a plaster. And he laughed at me. And 
and then I kind of looked down and seen all the blood and I was like this is bad so yeah kind of in that moment I, I didn't know what to think I was I felt embarrassed because I'd, I'd kind of felt like I'd been uh violated in a way and that's never happened obviously being a fighter being a boxer having a lot of pride and some sort of ego um I kind of felt like I was violated um yeah and I just didn't know what was happening I just kind of everything was up in the urge and I mean I've just been stabbed don't know how bad it is I'm in the fight a week out like next week I'm, I'm hoping that it's not that bad and I can still fight like boxing's my life do you know what I mean I've, I've done this since I was seven years old and um I just remember being, sitting in the ambulance just shaking my head couldn't even look at my ex-girlfriend or anything and it's been like I've, I've completely fucked this up for myself do you know what I mean and um and then at that stage I didn't really know how bad it was obviously um I felt fine I wasn't in any sort of pain obviously there's a lot of blood on me but I'm, I'm okay I feel like uh, patch me up and I'll fight next week I'm, I'm good but then obviously once I've been rushed into any and stuff I've, I've realized how bad it is um I've got like 10 doctors around me cutting my clothes off putting stuff in my arm um one the main doctor was like right we need we can't uh we can't give you any anesthetic we need to get this closed now um and like they're ringing for blood transfusion and stuff like that and i'm just lying there go thinking fucking hell what's this about like and then like whenever they're stitching me like blood squirting hitting the ceiling and obviously didn't know how bad it was and stuff like that but thankfully it wasn't too bad i had i took a, a, a short time off um training and, and yeah. was able to cont continue and i've not had any problems with it since obviously like it's never opened up or anything thing like that but thankfully i'm still here because it could have been a lot worse an inch lower and i had a bled out in 12 seconds like so sure. I, I, I count my blessings so was it with a knife or with a broken bottle it would have been a stanley blade a knife would have been a lot more worse obviously um a, a bottle would have been jaggered so they 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 never caught anyone they never anything like that so they they think it was a stanley blade because it's a, such a clean cut so you got the the scar on your face here and then any, anywhere else no just there yeah just stabbed down the same my face and no yeah. none in the arm or or, nah. or or on your body no nowhere else yeah well, count your lucky stars because yeah. it could have definitely been worse exactly that's it i remember um i was lying before i went before i went for surgery i was i was lying in the hospital bed and um my friends and family around there and then one of the specialist has come in and been like right we're going to bring you for surgery soon i was like can i ask you a question um when when can i be back in the gym uh like will i be able to like be back in the gym next week or two weeks or, or what and she just looked at me and was like you're you're an inch from bleeding out in 12 seconds um you're going to be out of the ring for for a while so um i kind of I was like fuck sake like it's madness you know what i mean and i because i because i felt fine like i wasn't in it well even after like getting surgery and everything i was i was fine i just I just wanted to train. I just wanted to be back in the gym training, and I think that was the the hardest part for me. Other than getting obviously getting stabs, not nice, and near losing my life and whatever else, it wasn't a great experience. But the hardest part for me was the three, four, five months after it, um, not being able to train. Any time that I did try and train, I was getting like lightheaded and and feeling fainty because I'd lost so much blood, and obviously it takes a while for your body to go back to normal and that that was the hardest part for me not not being able to train and being in the gym i just i felt lost then you know what i mean i was putting on loads of weight when it like when you go from training two three times a day every single day f f you're near enough your whole life to not being able to for five months it, it's, it's obviously mentally it's very very tough well the the article and a few other sort of um snippets i've read is yeah you went into a, a period where you feel say like i know like depressed slightly depressed 
anxiety about the uncertainty about where where things can go i mean you must have realized that it wasn't so bad where you're going to recover and get back in there but it was that period in time where you're thinking man i've lost my routine yeah it was like there's a lot of things in that, in that period of time there's a lot of things going through my mind um one being that i seek revenge or that i keep on the straight now and and stick to the plan um because i seek revenge someone's getting hurt and i'm possibly going to jail um, or do I just continue my career, just let let time uh, go on and and kind of recover and, and set out to do what I what I plan to do, and that's become a world champion. Um, obviously, I, I was putting a lot of weight on. I, a lot of people were it hit the media like and like I couldn't believe like I had Michael Buffer tweeting me Tyson Fury uh, at the time like these were big stars for me. Do you know what I mean? Still are. Um, and it, it hit the media, and then I, like in Belfast, everybody knew about it. So anywhere that I went, it was like, oh, you're the one that stabbed at this. So I mean, let's see your score and and whatnot. And it just it wasn't it wasn't a nice feeling. Do you know what I mean? I, I was I was in a real real tough dark place, and it was very very mentally um, challenging for me. I, I feel like I, I hit rock bottom at a stage, mm -hmm. and um, very very suicidal at stages. And it got to the point where I had to go seek professional help. And being a man, and I mean you. you yourself you, you you have pride and, and some sort of ego I don't need to speak to anybody I can deal with this myself do you know what I mean and at, the state, at that time I, I never faced anything like that didn't have any mental yeah. health issues do you know what I mean I was a young kid that um was just living the dream of, of being a fighter and um it, it hit me hard the, the mental side of it and I remember having to speak to my ex-girlfriend she was like you can speak to me whatever and, and that helped I started speaking to my friends and family but there was a stage where I had to to go and um get professional help and and thankfully I did because it, it did genuinely help whenever I was in a, a very, very dark place. I think, not that I think, I know you've made the right decision to focus on your goal and become a world champion, which no doubt you're going to be, for sure. But you said something about seeking revenge and it kind of gives me the impression that you, you know who these people are and you, you could have done it. Um, I don't know who stabbed me, no. I don't, no one was ever caught, no one was ever... Um, sent away for it or anything like that um i know people that were involved in the situation like i said there was 20 to 30 of them um so i know people that were that were involved so if it was something that i wanted to obviously get information out of them then i could but i've kind of had to stick to the plan and I, it, listen it's something that i'll have to live with for the rest of my life it, it, it eats at me every single day because i'm someone who, who has a lot of pride and i'm not egotistic but as as a man we, we all have some sort of ego and um, being a fighter, do you know what I mean? I, I felt like I said, I felt I was violated, and I've never been violated in my life. So, um, I've always wanted to seek revenge, but my revenge will be in the ring. Do you know what I mean? When I, whenever I look back, and I'm, I'm world champion, and I've, I've uh, achieved everything I've wanted to achieve, I can look back and, and say I made the right decision, and um, that'll be my revenge because they'll do that to another person. Or they'll, they'll, their day will come whenever do you know what i mean karma karma always comes full circle well they say every dog has, has its day it's and um the best uh revenge is ultimate success and you know becoming a big profile world champion making a lot of money along the way and achieving certain things that's going to be your revenge uh but yeah i mean i can certainly uh kind of empathize with the feeling that if 30 geezers turn around to me and i had my missus there and they were going to try, try and stick it on me and basically try and bully me, mm. yeah, because it was a numbers thing. It wasn't one-on-one, -on -one, which yeah. is fair. You'd be like, yeah, 
no, fuck this. I want to, I want to, I want to yeah. go back and right, right the wrong. But you've definitely done the right thing there because, as you well know, one bad decision can leave lead to a whole lifetime yeah. of um, you know problems. Regrets. Exactly. And I remember I was in hospital. I'm not sure if you know him, Colin Francis. Um, he's a DJ. Okay. He's a worldwide DJ. He's one of my my good good friends. And uh, he uh he texted me a, a really nice message, and he had said. Look at fifty cent. He'd been shot nine times. Look how successful he is. Stick to the plan and, and don't give up. And I think that's that stuck with me ever since. Just stick stick to the plan and and kind of I set out to become a world champion and and train. I train as hard as I possibly can. And I I use that as motivation. That that um situation getting started. I use that as motivation. Do you know what I mean? I've been down in the slumps. I've I've came back from adversity and um getting starved and what whatnot so if i can get through that i can achieve anything in life absolutely so on that note of goals i mean are you are you a person that sits there cj and writes out your goals and affirmations and does like vision boards and things like that or is it just something that you think i'm gonna work really fucking hard and i know the success is gonna come yeah no i, I, I in my head i have um goals that i want to achieve um but I've, I've started to write stuff down and like short-term goals long-term goals and um yeah I, I kind of visualize i've always visualized being a world champion and that's that's the ultimate goal being the first black artist world champion but i obviously sit down and, and have other goals that i want to achieve as well yeah so like I, I i've asked this question a few times to boxers and athletes and i'm always intrigued to hear, hear the answer um i mean the, the the textbook answer is almost like money shouldn't matter becoming a world champion or the best boxer you can be that's number one and then everything else is secondary but at the same time this is your career this is your occupation this is your job no doubt if you haven't got family now you're going to have probably family in the future and looking after them and the legacy and everything else and it's going to be very very important and that's only really supported by finances unfortunately so how important is making money and a good amount of money from the sport important to you How, how important is that to me, it means nothing. I'd fight for free. I fought for free um, since I was seven up until I turned professional. Um, I, I can't express it more. I want to be the, the first black artist world champion. As simple as that. Money's a piece of paper, do you know what I mean? Um, yes, it's nice to have, and it comes with the sport, the sport of boxing. You get paid to fight, but I would also do it for free. It, it means nothing to me. It's I, I don't do, but I don't, I'm not a fighter because of the money it's not i didn't get in the box and be like oh i can be a millionaire i can i can make a lot of money out of this mm. i got into it because I, I wanted to firstly be a world champion and and secondly once i realized that i could be the first black irish world champion that's that's what strays me to to get up early every morning and, and train hard every day and not it's not the money i don't i'm not motivated by money I'm motivated by the the goals that i want to achieve and um so becoming the first black world champion from 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 belfast but then once that's done, what what will be next for you? Um, like, like I said, I have small goals. Like I wanna I wanna get into the property game, which I'll do this year. I wanna buy and buy and sell houses. Um, I wanna have my own business and whatever it may be. I, I mean, I've got some business plans with with friends and stuff like that. So, um, I wanna do other things right now as well as fight because I don't wanna wait until my career's over and then do it. I wanna be able to do it now and then it's set for whenever I'm, I come out of boxing. Um, so there is things that I, that I want to do after boxing, but obviously boxing is my number one priority. Yeah. So I know you mentioned earlier as well, you went from Frank Warren over to Matchroom with Eddie Hearn. Um, talk to me about why you signed with Frank initially and not with Eddie and why why, why did you do the switch? 
Yeah, so um, like I've I've been pro, I think three and a half, near four years now, and um, whenever I was, I went to the iBox gym to to train and stuff. Um, there was a couple offers for me uh, at at the start, and Frank Frank had offered me a very good contract. And Eddie, there's a there's an interview where Eddie says um, he got offered me at whenever I was only turning pro, but he didn't know who I was. I wasn't I was an unknown quantity, and um. He then obviously he didn't send me. I'd signed with Frank, um, and he'd then seen me fight and said to himself, "Fuck, I've I've messed up." So he always says that he, he got a second chance, and you don't really get that in life. Um, so yeah, I'd same with um, Frank at the start. Just it, it just made sense for my career. Obviously, Eddie didn't want to sign me at that stage, but I was still with a big promoter, um, getting decent money, um, and and stuff like that, and then. My deal was coming up with Frank there uh, last September, October, and um, it was one of them things I think I felt like I needed to change. Um, their plans didn't really align with with mine in terms of I wanted to go back to Belfast and, and become a star and um, headline shows there and kind of replicate what what Frank or what Card Frampton has has done in Belfast, headline big shows, and like I said, I'm a, a whole lot of pride in coming from Belfast and Ireland, and I want to go back and give the fans big big nights they, they've supported me through my whole career boxing getting stabbed and whatnot and um they come over and, and watch all my fights so i, I want to go back to belfast and headline shows there and eddie has that same vision for me and not only that he, he wants me to become a global star he feels like i'm i'm sorry somebody that can be, be a, a worldwide superstar so it was kind of an, an easy decision for me to to same with eddie and, and thankfully everything's been going well um ever since i did i've, I've been with him just under a year now, and I'm two fights in with two two very good wins. Picked up um, my first title win in the WBA international and stuff, so everything's going well. I'm going to ask you a bit of a question that might seem like I'm trying to antagonise, but I'm just just want to ask: um, Who do you prefer being under, Eddie Hearn? Eddie Hearn. Well, I don't. And what? Why? Why is that? I've, even when I was with Frank, Eddie's the best promoter in the game. Is it like it? It's as simple as that. Like the way he promotes fighters, he knows how to promote a fighter, whether it's someone just coming through the ranks, um, someone who's an Olympic champion, someone who's just come off small hall shows, someone who's already a, a mega star, star like Canelo. He knows how to promote them. He, he, he's got the gift uh, gift of the gab. He knows how to talk. And um, and he, he, he put the shows that he puts on are, are unbelievable. And I think that just stands out. You go to a Frank Warren show and you go to... And Eddie Hearn show, and you can you can see the difference, um, and that's no disrespect to Frank. Um, listen, Frank did a lot for me in terms of he got me to to nine and zero, and um, got my name out there and stuff like that. But I feel like Eddie Hearn's the the best promoter in boxing, and um, I think it's just a, a new era, a new generation of of promoting yeah. fights, and and Eddie understands that, and I, I don't think Frank does. I think also Eddie Hearn appears, and I'm just speaking from an outsider. I'm not saying this is an absolute fact, but it appears that Eddie's kind of picked up the whole social media a lot quicker than Frank Warren and maybe his team have done. And what I mean by that, you feel like you can connect with Eddie far easier than you could with Frank Warren. I feel like I still don't know, even though I'm 36 years of age, I've done boxing myself, I've been following boxers for a long time. I still don't feel like I really know Frank Warren that well. But with Eddie Hearn, he seems like a pal. Even yeah. though he doesn't know me, I don't know him. He just comes across so relatable, and I think I think that's important in today's age. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like maybe the age plays a diff, uh, big factor there. Um, obviously, 
Eddie's young, very young, and and Frank's not. He's he's listen. Frank's an, was an unbelievable promoter and still is one of the biggest promoters in the game. He's a hall of fame, hall of fame uh, promoter and um, he's he's promoted some unbelievable fighters like Mike Tyson, the Seam Hammond, stuff like that. So, but like you said, it's, it's just different era now. And Eddie knows how how to interact with the fans and and he knows how to sell fights and and that's why he's the best promoter in the game. Um, something that a lot of boxing fans. I believe were very against at the start, but they seem like they're big, they're coming around to the idea. Eddie Hearn started picking up the whole YouTubers, you know, that kind of stuff. Um, being a professional athlete, being a professional boxer, what's your take on this new wave of demographic of boxer coming into the sport? Do you think it's good for the sport? Do you think it's bad for the sport? Where do you sit with it? Any publicity is good publicity, so it's, it's not bad for the sport. It will be bad for the sport if a YouTuber comes in and and end, ends up dying because boxing is no game it's it's not it's no joke do you know what i mean there's been fighters who've changed their whole life that have have unfortunately passed away in the ring do you know what i mean so that's when it becomes bad for the sport when someone gets seriously injured um i have no problem with whoever wants to come into boxing and make money you get a lot of fighters be like oh, i've trained my whole life and i have never made a quarter of what these youtubers are making these youtubers used the free platform that everyone else has instagram youtube twitter facebook to promote themselves get their name out there as as big as they possibly can and then went into a different sport to make more money it's as simple as that you have the exact same platform don't don't cry about it because you're not promoting your own self do you know what i mean if you're not willing to put the work in to get your own name out there don't don't cry about it the thing i have the problem i have with youtubers that come into boxing is disrespecting the fighters that are in the game you know I mean you got jake paul listen fair play to him he's making unbelievable money and if he's serious about boxing and wants to achieve something in it who am i to knock him who am i to tell him he can't come into the, the sport of boxing but don't come in and, and start slagging off fighters that have literally dedicated their whole life to, to this game do you know what i mean boxing is very, like i said it's a very tough sport very dangerous sport and and i don't like the disrespect I don't like when fighters themselves disrespect other fighters, so I wouldn't stand for it from a from a, a YouTuber. So that's that's the only problem I have with it. Well, I mean, according to Eddie Hearn, he was Jake Paul recently was talking about taking on Canelo. I mean, do you think he's completely deluded, or do you think he actually has that self belief where he could beat Canelo Alvarez? No, he's completely deluded. I mean, not in a, not in a million years will will Jake Paul beat. Um, Canelo Alvarez. Jake Paul wouldn't beat a 50 or whatever, 55-year-old Mike Tyson. Never mind a prime Canelo Alvarez. And he says, give me three years and I'll do it. I mean, Canelo's 30, 31 and three years, he's still going to be in his prime. There isn't a chance that you're going to beat Canelo Alvarez. Listen, I understand that you got to, close mouths don't get fed. you you got to sell it. you got to talk it. you got to hype it up. And that's what Jake Paul is so good at. He come up, come from YouTube. He knows how to talk. He knows how to sell it to the fans and, and get them to believe him. And, but it would never happen. you got to be realistic with yourself. Do you know what I mean? And that's, I hear when people like Jake are just delusional and, 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 and stuff like that. But listen, fair play to him. He's, he's getting people talking about him and that's what it's all about. He's, he's, he's people talking about him. He's making money and, and fair play to him. If the opportunity come up for you to fight someone like a Jake Paul, would you? Yeah, and I wouldn't even do it for money. I would, do, I would, I would probably put the money that I would get from it. I would give it to a charity. I would do it for free, one million percent, because I would just make a statement. And my my, my kind of profile is going to grow regardless, so I'm going to make money in the end of it. But 
I wouldn't. It wouldn't be for the money. A lot of people, a lot of fighters would. I've seen said that they'd fight, uh, fight Jake Paul would be the easiest payday of their their life. I wouldn't do it for the money. I'd do it for free because I know he he's not gonna beat me. Like it wouldn't last. Jake Paul wouldn't last two rounds with me. It's as simple as that. And that's being generous. Do you know what I mean? Like he wouldn't last two rounds with me. And um, so yeah, one million percent. And that was going to be my next question. And again, this is this is all hypothetical. I don't believe it's ever going to happen, but. Um, how would it go if you fought him? See, there's a part of me that would want me to go out and make a statement and and uh, do it, very, get him out of there very early. But then there's another part of me that would love to toy with him and, and leave him in there for a couple of rounds and, and then like slowly punish him, do you know what I mean? Um, unless I just caught him with a shot and he went over. But I don't know, it's one of them ones where it'd just be on the night, see how I feel, I'll go out and I'll put him away early or I'll give him a couple of rounds and... Uh, and kind of make an event of it and, and play with them. Yeah, I would like to see it. On that note, though, um, any vendettas, anyone that you look at in, in the boxing game and think, you know, they're on my path and I'm going to destroy destroy them when I get there, or you're just like, you know what, I don't get mostly tied to it. I, I'm just in this sport. I'm going to beat whoever's in front of me. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to train fucking hard. And uh, whatever's going to be is going to be. No, no one's on my radar. Everyone says, this, who do you want to fight next? Who do you want to fight next? And I actually put a tweet up the other day and I says, I'm in competition with nobody but myself. Until I'm in that ring face to face you, that that's when it becomes competition. Anything else, I'm I'm not, do you know what I mean? I, I'm I'm not, I'm striving to be a better Kevin Jericho every single day. I'm not I'm not I don't look at someone else and be like, I want that or I want to be them or um anything like that. I understand that there's there's people in my way of getting to the top and we'll have to cross paths at, at some stage and I'll have to go through them then. But I don't look at anyone and be like, I want everyone in my like my weight division. I, I support support them. Do you know what I mean? I want them to do well and and whatnot. I'm I'm not I'm a competitive person, but I'm not in competition with with them. I'm in competition with myself. Do you know what I mean? To to better myself and until the day that we face each other, then it then it's between me and you. But other than that, it's it's between myself right now. And um, I want everyone to achieve and and do well until it, it comes to me and them facing each other in the ring. But. There isn't anyone that, that I look up right now and be like, I want to fight them. And, um, there is a couple of domestic fights. And when I say domestic, I mean Irish domestically. Everyone keeps on saying, oh, why are you not going down the British route? And I'm not a British fighter, as simple as that. So, um, but yeah, there's like, you got Jason Quigley, Spiegel Sullivan, Luke Keeler, um, people like that that I would love to go back to Belfast or Ireland somewhere and, and have a, an all Irish domestic dust up with, with them. And, but, um, Whoever's put in front of me is is put in front of me next. I don't look at, I don't go to my team and say I want him next. They come to me say this is who you're fighting. That's fine with me. Do you, do you literally have because you you come across like this right? Do you literally have the raw belief that anyone right now who's put in front of you you can beat? Like is that is that literally your belief? Yeah. Like let's just say Addy Hearn just said, do you know what? I've actually just done something where I've got Al- Canelo Alvarez can actually fight you next. Would your belief still be the same? Without doubt. I never doubt myself. I know how hard I train. I know what I put in um, into the gym. And the thing is, a fighter can be faster, stronger, technically better than me. They can have it all, but no one outthinks me in there. I adopt so, so quickly. A fight could be not go my way and I will adopt as quick as possible and, and I will change the fight up whether I have to start boxing and use my, my natural talent and uh, technical ability to, to out. Um, point them or, or whatnot or whether I have to change it up and, and become a, a brawler and, and kind of seek and destroy and go forward and, and 
hurting him. I can I can do it all. I'm not I'm not a one dimensional fighter, and this isn't me being cocky or or big headed headed. I, I just I've trained extremely hard, and um, I had a good amateur background where and an unbelievable amateur coach that that taught me not only how to fight but how to box and how to adopt. So I'm a fighter that that can do a bit of everything, and um, I feel like anyone that's put in front of me, I, I'm confident that I, that I'll beat them because I not if um game plan a isn't isn't uh going well i've got b c d f do you know what i mean i can i can change it up so yeah i believe that no matter who's put in front of me i'll uh i'll beat so from amateur to where you are now being undefeated pro and knocking out the majority of your your opponents getting ko's what would you say has been the thing that some of the characteristics some of the things in your armor armor now that have really excelled since being an amateur um i feel like i've i've kind of I've showed my power a lot more in the, in the pro game than, than I have in the amateurs. I've, I've yet to show how good of a, a technical fighter that, that I am in, in the pro game. Um, it's it's crazy because I, I want to show that I'm this slick, kind of fast-hand middleweight that, that not only hits hard, but can use his, his footwork and, and head head movement uh, to beat fighters. And it's one of them ones where I keep saying to myself, every single fight, I'm not going out there to seek and destroy it's it's going out there and we're going to show everyone how good of a, a boxer Kevin Ajarko is and then I get in the ring and I hit them and they kind of cover up and they don't want to come and fight so I have to then bring it to them but I think um, there's a lot of things that I've I've changed in my style um, from the amateurs to the pro um, I used to be a, a fighter that was always up on his toes and and, and um, with that amateur style obviously and uh, it was all about point scoring and stuff like that but I've kind of settled into the pro game and, and started to use my power a bit more and, and my physical strength. Give us an insight to your like daily routine because um, I admire athletes, I really do. Like the, What you do is no joke, especially being a boxer because what people fail to realise is it's not just the fighting you do on match day when you're actually in there fighting for a title or something. You're actually doing it inspiring and you're doing it quite a lot and you've got different people in your gym and you go to different gyms and inspiring different... Um, you know, well-skilled and well-schooled individuals. So talk to me about some of those sparring sessions that you've done and some, just a bit of an insight to your, your, your routine. Yeah, so like a daily routine on, on normal, like yesterday, um, I didn't spar, but I got up, I went for a, a 7K run. Um, it's kind of boring because it's just repetitive. So I'll get up, have breakfast, go for a 7K run, back, relax. Then I got training. Last night I had 20 rounds punching, which was very tough. Um, so I'll go in and I, I did 10 pads, um, bag work, shadow boxing, skipping, um, ab routine. And then, uh, I did, I finished off with another 20 minute run. Um, but yeah, and they, on sparring days, like you can ever use six, I normally I do eight or 10 rounds sparring. Um, and sometimes I'll have two, three fresh opponents, um, in there with me. So it, it gets very tough and, and grueling and it's a, it's a hard day work, but it's I love it. It's it's um it's something. There's just something about fighting. There's something that being in the ring, being in a, in a boxing gym in itself, it, it's just it's an, an amazing feeling. Since your amateur days to to now as a pro, how's your diet sort of changed? Um yeah, it's changed a lot. Now I do it a lot more professionally. Um in the amateurs, I I didn't really um do it professionally when I should have because you have to weigh in every day for for competitions um as we're in, in the pros you only weigh in once and then you've got 36 hours to kind of rehydrate but yeah i've got a nutritionist that that sets out my plan and um i, I, I stick to that so 
um, whatever he's telling me to eat, I, I eat and um, I do a lot more um, better than I did in the in the amateurs. Yeah. We spoke about earlier about like the likes of Jake Paul and these other individuals, even Conor McGregor when he when he came over to the, the boxing world for that one time against Mayweather. Big part of it because is how he was promoting himself. And I feel now that boxers, it's a double-edged sword. It's, it's on one hand, it's, it's great because you've got your own social media and you can promote yourself and people can get to know you and they can buy into your profile and become fans and become dedicated to following your journey and, and pay for your, your, your fights, which is great. The downside to that is it can be a bit more hard work. It could be a bit distracting. Back in the day, it was all left down to the promoter and the fighter didn't have to do anything whatsoever. How do you balance that social media and how do you go about promoting yourself? Because some people are really good at it and some people are sort of a bit sporadic. They do a little bit here, a little bit there and they don't maybe sometimes not really give it the, the care and the attention it, it deserves. But at the same time, they're fighters. Why should they? They should just be in the gym. Yeah, it's very tough to kind of juggle both and some people get caught up in that in the kind of Instagram life and, and, and stuff like that where they're focusing too much on that whenever they should be like someone like Ryan Garcia everyone's saying Ryan Garcia needs to just focus on boxing rather than being a YouTuber and and kind of that insta famous and whatever else but it's just the day and age that we live in it's social media you have your own platform where you can literally promote yourself to make more money make a bigger fan base and a, a bigger following Um, but it is I sometimes struggle with it um, actually, it's funny you said that because yesterday I actually texted my sister. Did she know any content creators that that want to kind of work with me and, and my TikTok and Instagram and want to kind of take over on it? And she she's actually going to do it for me, thankfully. So um, I know a lot of people that have their team managing their, their social media platforms and, and takes the pressure off them. And personally, I, I like to do my Instagram and stuff myself. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a tough one because it, it is very hard. Some people are very good at it and, and others aren't. Um, but it is kind of one of them ones where you shouldn't let it get caught up in in your routine. Do you know what I mean? You're a boxer, and it's as simple as that. You got to train. Um, that you can do that after, or you yeah. can you can you can pay someone to do that. Do you know what I mean? It's for me. My my focus is always on on boxing and and training. And if I have time to kind of promote myself on social media, then I'll then I'll do it. But it's it's not a major factor for me. Um, probably not so much you, and not actually not so much boxers, but. When I've interviewed like a pro footballer, for example, they play for a football team, the football team loses, and then before they know it, they're getting loads of abuse on social media. Um, have you ever had abuse on social media? And if so, how did you handle it? Every day, I get abuse on social media. Um, I laugh at it, it's actually funny. I'm not someone who takes things personal, doesn't get to me. Actually, one of my teammates um, sent me a, a message yesterday a screenshot of two people um trolling her on uh, on social media and i was i just sent a, a message back saying like don't let them get to you do you know what i mean they're, they're on social media behind a, a fake profile um trying to give you advice or telling you what you're doing wrong on something that they, they've never ever done do you know what i mean they've, yeah. they've never tr probably been in a box ring in their whole entire life i said they're we're winning and we're getting paid for doing it so don't focus on them just continue to focus on yourself and um, one thing that I love doing is I get so much satisfaction out of blocking people. See, I, I see one negative comment and they're gone. It's just, it's just so like I don't have to, I don't have to see that. Do you know what I mean? I don't have to have them on my social media. You get people that go back and forth constantly, and someone like Sonny Edwards who goes back and forth with people constantly, and he's good at it. It actually, 
he's like he's the he's the kind of the Eminem of the boxing world. You don't want to beef with, with, with Sonny Edwards. He'll uh, he'll just ruin you. So um, some people deal with it um, very well, and I know others that don't like they they physically can't deal with all the the hate and and trolling that they get, and and they let it get to them and and get them down and stuff. With me, I don't care. I genuinely don't. I, I don't care about anyone's opinion as long as I'm happy and I'm doing what I am I'm doing and as long as my team's happy with what I'm doing and, and how I'm performing then that's all that really matters to me what my team and my family think my closest friends but anyone else that I don't know is on a fake profile on, on social media I really don't care like someone said the other day um, I put a, photo, a video up of me doing uh, the pads and it was like oh, this guy's always on social media doing slick work but um, all this fancy stuff but never does it in, in the ring so then I posted two videos to him of a combination that I had worked on in training camp and I I did the exact same combination in a fight and stopped stopped Jed Smith of it and then two fights ago I did a, the exact same combination a right hand left hook um, working on it in the, on the pads and then um, stopped this guy with it as well so people think that whenever I'm posting on social media that it's that it's all for show or whatnot. What I practice in the gym is what I do in the ring as well. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't I'm not doing this to get likes or anything like mm. that. That this is what I do, do you know what I mean? This is I train really hard and, and practice stuff in the gym to then go and replicate it in, in the um in the ring. But people don't see that and people just like to go on and, and troll you and like I say I don't care. I don't care about anyone else's opinion. Do you ever get like you know, being from Belfast be a mixed race. Has anyone ever come at you and been trying to be racist or prejudiced from where you're from? Because I've I've seen that a lot with some of my guests, and um, some of them are not as resilient as you. Some of them are quite, you know, maybe a bit vulnerable, and then they, it, it plays on their mind. So, if so, how did you, I know? I know you said you block these people, but is there any advice that you can give other people, like a younger demographic listening to this and thinking, yeah, I, I keep on getting people say racist or prejudiced stuff to me and you know, sometimes it gets to me. Yeah, I've I've had people come on and be racist to me, or or say stuff that that isn't nice. And I just be, I just like I said, it's people's opinions. Everyone's got an opinion, or every, people like to go on and troll and whatever else. And let them don't don't let it get to you. Do you know what I mean? As long as you know what you're doing and, and the reasons you're doing it for. And um, I'm a proud black Irish man. That's simple as that. Someone come has called me a black cunt on 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 social media. If your opinion is yes, I am black. Okay, well I'm mixed race to be that's the right term for it. I'm mixed race, but if you think I'm a black C U N T, that's your opinion. Mm. Maybe I'm a cunt. Do you know what I mean? In your opinion, maybe I'm. I don't care. I, I genuinely don't care. But I just try and look for when people say negative things or anything like that. I try and look for the positive in it in, in, in a way of maybe it's a personal issue within within themselves. Do you know what I mean? Maybe they're struggling with certain aspects of their life, and that's why they've got to reflect on other people. Um, but I just don't. I'm not someone that let things get to my heart or my head. Do you know what I mean? I, I don't. I don't take it personal. I don't. Um, especially if I don't know them. If it was a friend or a family or someone called me, then it becomes personal. Then it means something to me. Do you know what I mean? Then it's different, and I will take it personal. Um, but if it's just some random person on social media that I don't know and they don't know me and they're behind a a, a fake account, it really means nothing. So one, I probably wouldn't respond to them. Um, if I've just blocked them and two, I just wouldn't take a personal one and let it get to you. Uh, um, last couple of things I want to ask you, CJ. So, like, um, inspirations in the sport. I know you mentioned a few fighters before, but anyone that you're looking at right now who's currently fighting, I mean, like Tyson Fury, for example, just had that world 
title fight against Dylan White. Um, obviously sold out Wembley Arena. I think it was 94,000 in there. Broke the Cole Froch and George Groves uh, two uh, stadium capacity records, which was fantastic. And then obviously you've got people like Usyk and uh, Joshua fighting later on this year. Anyone like that really inspire you? Um, Kitty Taylor. Kitty Taylor is from Ireland. I've, I've spoke kind of been on training camps with Katie Taylor in, in the in the amateur days and every time I speak to her it's just one of the nicest people you could ever meet and I remember I sent her a message congratulating her on her fight and she was she replied and, and said oh that means so much coming from you Kevin I was thinking coming from me I'm, I'm nobody compared to who you are unified undisputed world world champion who's an Olympic medalist multiple world world titles in the amateurs and um, it's just how humble she is no matter how big she's gone she's so humble but I just someone like like Katie who who comes from Ireland, a, a small country. I, I look at it and be like, if if Katie can achieve everything she has, then why can't I? You got people that like Tyson Fury. Uh, I'm inspired by, um, kind of the mental side of it, where he 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 hit rock bottom, and I can yeah. relate to that. Um, he hit rock bottom for different reasons, obviously, but um, he he went through a, a real hard mental battle and and still become uh a two time world champion. Uh, dismantled uh. Deontay Wilder and everything he's done after it. So I look at people like that um, for for inspiration. Are you are you a boxing fan? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like when whenever a big fight's on, you're good. If you're not in a training camp or something, you're you're, you're parking yourself up and watch it on TV. Yeah, definitely. I'm, I'm going to Boati Josh uh, Boati Richards this weekend. Um, Who, who's your favourite on that? Joshua Boati. Yeah, yeah. Do you know it's tough because I don't know both of them personally. I've I've spoke to both of them. Um, but I'm I'm a fan of of Joshua Boatsy and, and how he goes about his business and it's it's similar to me it's seek and destroy no matter what nice persona outside the ring but as soon as you're you're in there there is no friends and it's it's get the job done and that's that's I like the way he goes about his business um and he's a, he's a real nice guy as well so I, I think I don't think it's going to be an easy fight in in any way shape or form I think um Craig Richards is awkward and he pro, poses a lot of threats he's he's fought at world level against Bevo and get Bevo a tough fight so. Um, I think it'll be an interesting fight, but I do expect Joseph Boatsy to to make a statement and um, this being his his real fight that he he lets everyone know how how good he is because he has been questioned as he hasn't really had them step up fights. So um, I, I'm gonna go with Joseph Boatsy. Yeah, I I believe he's gonna win as well. So on predictions, what about the Joshua Usyk too? Where do you see that going? Usyk, and you know I'm a Joshua fan, but. I'm not too sure that he can change his style to beat Usyk. I'm not too sure. Ever since he fought Ruiz and got beat by Ruiz, there's been something in his armour where he's not the same Anthony Joshua that goes out and seek, seeks and destroys. Um, he's he's kind of boxed a bit more. And like he did in the Usyk fight, he tried to outbox the boxer, which was someone of Usyk's calibre. Like he's an Olympic champion and a technically gifted fighter. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Um it was never going to work. So I hope I hope I see a different side of Joshua where he goes out and just steamrolls him. Kind of, I'm the bigger Rolls man. Yeah, yeah, I'm the bigger man. This is my division. He's coming up. I'm going to show him who's boss. Um, and if he goes out and he gets caught and he gets clipped and he goes down, at least he know he, he tried and he give it his all and, and whatnot. I think he tried to play it a bit too safe so that he doesn't get stopped or knocked out or anything like that. I'd rather go out my shield and rather try and box and think, oh, I could have did more. So yeah. I hope it's it's the AJ that we've we've seen from the past. 
And um, your view on Fury, is he really retired? I think he'll retire for like a year and come back. I mean, what is he, 33, yeah. 32, 33? He's still young. Do you know what I mean? He retires for a year, enjoys a, a year off um, from boxing and then comes back at 34, 35 and, and um, has a unification or undisputed fight. Uh, I couldn't see Tyson Fury retiring right now. Listen, if he does for a play, I mean, he deserves it. He's, he's, done, he's won every single belt that he possibly can. I think from a British and an Irish title, all the way up to winning every single belt in the heavyweight division. Um, so for a play them, but I mean, I feel I feel like the fans deserve an AJ fight, and if not AJ, then they definitely deserve him to try and become uh, undisputed. Yeah, for sure. So last last sort of point: next five years, ten years from you, where do you see yourself? What do you see yourself achieving? You still live in this country? Are you moving abroad? Are you, have you got a family? Have you set up a massive property empire? What's next for you? Yeah, so um, I want to be retired in five years from boxing anyway. Really? Yeah, I've always said. Short, yeah? Yeah, I've been doing boxing since I was seven years old. Um, I love the sport of boxing. It's not nothing to do with that, but I've been I've been doing this since I was seven. So when I get when I get to 30 years old, that's 23 years. Do you know what I mean? It's a, it's a very, very long time to be in a, a sport, a very physical sport like this and, and taking, taking punches and stuff. I want to get out of boxing with my faculties and, and everything intact and um, my health okay. So 31, 32 would be the max age I would fight to. Um, I want to become a world champion, uh, first black Irish world champion, maybe unify and, and maybe move up to become a two-weight world champion. I'd like to win world titles at, at light middleweight and, and middleweight. Um, and yeah, just have a, I don't have a, a, any children or misses at the moment, so I'd love to... Um, have a family and get married and stuff like that and, and just enjoy enjoy life set up a business and um kind of enjoy life take loads of vacations and stuff like that thanks for your time bro i'm gonna ask you one more question so when i set up my own first company when i was 25 years of age it was predominantly a sales company and to keep everyone motivated i came up with a mantra and it goes like this be happy never content so if i were to ask you what does be happy, never content mean to Black Thunder? Uh, do you know, it's something I had to use after all my all my fights. People always say to me, how do you um, like, rate your performance? And I, I say I'm happy, but I'm not satisfied. Do you know what I mean? Um, I know how good I am. I know how good I can be. And I always strive to be better. I never get complacent. Um, I never let one good win get to my head. I know that I've got to be straight back in the gym and, and, and train ex- extremely hard. So... Yeah, be happy and, and but never be content. Um, enjoy life, but work as, as hard as you possibly can. Um, kind of find the balance of enjoying life and and doing good things in life, and and the balance of working hard and, and becoming successful and yeah. and sacrificing them hours to to be successful and and at the same time enjoying life, enjoying time with family and getting, having vacations and stuff like that. Top man, really looking forward to your next uh, few fights. I'm looking forward to seeing your, your your journey unfold. I really appreciate your time. I think it's been a great conversation. And uh, if everyone's enjoyed this conversation, please follow uh, CJ um, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And always remember to be happy, never content. Nice one. Thank you very much for having me on. Appreciate Thank it. You. Cheers. Thank you,